This podcast is by G. Wayne Miller for the Providence Journal. I think it's um, fair to start any discussion about the new variant by saying that we're, we're really learning a lot as we go, and the next couple of weeks are going to be critical. Um, we, we think that there may be some uh, um, darkness on the horizon in terms of some of the uh, things that have uh, that appeared to be properties of this new vari uh, variant. Um, however, it's still too early to tell. Uh, what we do know is, as you say, that it's spread already been detected in more than two dozen countries and two states in the United States. Those are, in fact, only places where it's been detected. No doubt it's in other places and has not yet been detected. In order to detect it, one has to have relatively sophisticated genomic surveillance, and not every country has that. So uh, just like the number of actual cases are an underestimate of the number of true cases, let's say the number of detected cases are an underestimate of the number of true cases, the number of uh, cases of this new covariant that have been detected are probably only a small proportion of all of the cases of the new covariant. And whether or not it's going to come to Rhode Island, I certainly don't have a crystal ball, but I uh, wouldn't be surprised if within the next several weeks, it is a present in almost every state in the United States. The Rhode Island Department of Health does have the ability to do sequencing that the director, Nicole Alexander Scott, mentioned that yesterday at the, the press conference. So that's a good thing. We, we have the ability here in Rhode Island to detect it. Right. And the ability is the first part. The second part is, you know, whether you test uh, or sequence a significant proportion of, uh, of the uh, new cases. So, you know, if you only test a small proportion of the new cases, it's an expensive test, uh, then you may well uh, not detect some of the existing cases. So merely having the technological expertise is important, but also the proportion of cases that are actually tested and therefore detected is critically important too. It's going to take quite a while for us to be able to know what impact the current vaccines have uh, on this new variant. And it's also um, similarly going to be a while for us to know what natural immunity, uh, what impact natural immunity that is previously acquired infection will have on this new variant. So it's very early to say, and I would, would not like to speculate, but the worrying thing is that um, the genetic scientists who um, detected this variant detected um, several mutations in a particular part of the virus where um, the vaccines tend to be targeted. So that's that dark cloud that I referred to at the beginning of our talk. Um, it's not clear that it's gonna rain, but that in itself is, is not good news because it implies that possibly that virus may be more amenable to uh, evading uh, uh, previous immunity, whether that's acquired by vaccine or acquired by previous infection. What uh, precautions would you advise people in Rhode Island to take starting now? I think we have to do all the same things that we have been doing. That, that much we know for sure. We have to keep masking. We have to do more of it. Um, we have to get more people vaccinated. Um, there is no doubt that uh, the spike in cases in the US and, and in Europe and other places that are seeing spikes are largely driven by the unvaccinated. So getting people vaccinated is critically important. The, the same things that we've, you know, we've known since the beginning of the pandemic, there's no, uh, there's no real new information about this 
variant that should uh, have us behave in any different way. We have to keep masking. We have to keep social distancing. We have to keep, you know, indoor gatherings to uh, to a minimum. Uh, and those are the things. In addition to uh, um, the difficulty, the difficult task of vaccinating more people are critical components to deal with this new variant even regardless of whether or not it's good at evading uh, new, you know, good at evading vaccines, those behaviors that I just mentioned are still going to be really critical to keeping the virus at bay. Many countries have uh, closed their borders to South Africa, uh, making it very difficult for people to move in and out. Um, interestingly, um, what's going on on the ground in South Africa doesn't really reflect the kind of urgency that the rest of the world is acting with. Uh, in one sense, in, in another sense it is. Um, it doesn't reflect the urgency in the sense that South Africa has not stepped up its, uh, um, its mitigation efforts, right? It's still at what they call level one, which is, you know, still requires mask wearing and uh, certain levels of social distance. It's not by far the highest level of restriction that they've had. Experiencing that on the one hand, um, not uh, locking down uh, the country in a way that they had before, whereas at the same time, the rest of the world is kind of locking South Africa out. Um, but at the same time, uh, worryingly, um, the number of infections in South Africa is, is beginning to go up in a very dramatic way. Um, so they're, I think it's safe to say they're just about to and are entering their fourth wave. Um, they went through a couple of months of relatively very few detected infections. Uh, but within the last couple of weeks, that has begun to spike rather dramatically and scarily. Um, and the new variant has become the dominant variant, at least in terms of the ones that are being sequenced in South Africa. So 75% of the variants that were sequenced in South Africa in November were from the new variant. So that implies that that variant can you know, very quickly sort of take over and dominate over other variants, which is, which is very worrying. Um, the, it's very interesting. Um, I think the South Africans uh, at, at all levels, starting with the president who made this clear in a speech a couple of days ago, are not happy with the global community. They feel like, that they acted um, with good faith and with honesty and integrity and in a timely way, and they're being penalized for that. And I have some sympathy for that argument. On the other hand, um, you know, what are we going to, what are we going to say? We're going to say, you know, you acted in good faith. So therefore we shouldn't do the most that we can to, um, to stop the virus because it's going to impact on your economy. I just don't really understand the corollary of that argument, but it, it's fair to point out that South Africans themselves um, are feeling very isolated and very kind of slapped around in the sense that they felt that they behaved honorably and time in a timely way and that they are, quote, being penalized for that behavior. So that's a kind of interesting and, um, you know, it's interesting debate and uh, one that will not be resolved soon, but has certainly left a lot of hard feelings. And I think kind of underscores the broader issue that's worth mentioning here, which is that one of the real drivers of the emergence of new variants is the fact that uh, a large proportion of the global population remains unvaccinated. And while we in the United States are scrambling, you know, many of us are getting booster shots, 
there's three and a half million people, billion people in the globe who haven't received one shot, never mind a booster shot. And those um, kinds of conditions are the kinds of conditions that will exacerbate the uh, mutation of viruses. So it becomes clear once again that we all live in this interconnected global world and that what happens in South Africa, even if you try to close your borders, is still going to impact what happens in the United States.